people are worried about reputational implications of being hacked, but actually not responding well is a worse reputational impact than being hacked. Hello and welcome to Management Cast, where some of the brightest minds in the business world explain the commercial concepts shaping industry today. This week, we have IMD Professor Oiku Ishik, and Oiku is the Professor of Digital Strategy and Cybersecurity at IMD. Welcome, Oiku. Thank you, John. Great to be here. Okay, so in this episode, we will be speaking about cybersecurity. And I know this is a very broad topic area, Oiku. I know that cybersecurity, you know, to some people might just represent uh, something that an IT department deals with at a, at a business. Cybersecurity might feel like something very far away from you know, the actual workings of the business itself. So can you tell us in a few sentences what cybersecurity is to you? What does it mean, this term? Absolutely. So I would like to think of cybersecurity as a capability building process. It is not a goal in its end. It is a never-ending race, so to say, right? It's a capability building process when it comes to keeping whatever you want to keep confidential, available, and reliable. So when we talk about information security, we typically talk about these three pillars of InfoSec. So confidentiality, availability, and integrity of information. Uh, so that is still the heart of the discipline, I think. But we more and more talk about the resilience aspect as well. So it's not just about protecting the assets, let's say, but it's also having the processes in place so that if something unexpected or malicious happens, you can very quickly get back up on your feet. So I think that resilience aspect is more and more uh, the centerpiece of cybersecurity as well. And so you've, you've spoken there about cybersecurity being kind of multifaceted thing, that it's not just about the kind of frontline defenses. It's also about how quickly a business gets back on its feet. You know, whenever I'm speaking to a new IMD professor, I always want to kind of go back to basics and find out where this concept came from. You've already talked about how it's evolved. How long has cybersecurity been around? Is it, is it a new concept? Because it's something that I feel that we hear more and more about these days, you know, when it comes to both private companies and, you know, national governments dealing with this issue increasingly. Absolutely. That's a great question, actually. I think it's fair to say that topic has been around as long as networks and computers have been around. We did not necessarily call it cybersecurity. We used to call it computer security. Then we called it network security. Then we said information security, saying that, well, this is the thing that flows through those networks. So it's not just about protecting the network, the connection and the wires itself, but also whatever flows in it. But now we're talking about cybersecurity, still with information security being the centerpiece in that, but also acknowledging that, well, this is not just about preventing stuff from happening. This is not just about protecting the hardware and software assets, but there's also the human interaction that comes into picture, maybe even more putting things at risk. So the term has been morphing a bit, but it has been around as long as we have been using computers in our communication as well as information processing. And just in terms of you know the business and management angle, when did it start to become so important for businesses? Was this the advent of the internet? Was this when machines and computers started becoming 
not just the kind of additional tool for people in business, but an integral part of everybody's work cycle? Absolutely. I think it would be fair to say around the e-commerce boom that we had about 20 years ago now, then it became much more a hot topic because now you start to talking about a sales interaction, sales process over the web, using the infrastructure that we now today call as the internet. And when you look back at it, internet was never designed to be secure. By design, it was just a connectivity among at first military applications, then it kind of sprung to academic connectivity. And at those times, you always knew who's connected because you could literally count by your finger, right? But suddenly when the modems and dial-up connectivity came into our lives, every home computer could be connected to, over to internet. Then we really started realizing that, well, maybe we should be able to lock some of our doors and we should be able to choose who should have access and who should not to our, in this case, information. And, you know, I think uh, one thing that strikes me straight away about this topic is I would imagine that a lot of executives that you speak to, that you deal with, that you are running training courses for, that are coming to IMD, perhaps they're wondering whether or not this is an area that they need to be interested in. Do you get a lot of questions about that? What, you know, why should an executive care about cybersecurity? You know, I'm laughing because I always kind of joke to myself and say that my job here will be done when no executive says, yeah, you know, but I've got people for this. <laughs> you know, we have a security department team that kind of does this. And, and just a minute ago, you talked about, is this an IT thing, right? Not even that, because we sometimes also hear about this kind of clash between IT teams uh, who are more responsible from establishing those connections, software development, and security teams who kind of push back and say, well, if you do this, this is the risk you're introducing into the environment, right? So it's not even maybe before, let's say 30 years ago, maybe it was within IT, but now we do have specialized teams as well. But coming back to your current question, yes, indeed, there are still many executives kind of push that responsibility to the security teams, which can be a little bit dangerous because we know from statistics today that around 85% of the breaches, or let me say attacks that are successful, that we observe today, are caused by either a human error or human weakness. So the vector that is being attacked the most is the individual, the employee, as much as the executive, right? So there's only so much the security team can actually accomplish here because at the end of the day, it's our final behavior that makes or breaks that line of defense in the organization. So whether it's an executive or an employee, and whether we like it or not, we are the outermost layer in any organization's security defense line. We could be the weakest link, as they always say, right? But we are at the same time the most important line of defense. So everybody now just simply have to have that simple level of understanding of what is happening and why it is happening, as well as the cyber hygiene measures to prevent to the best extent that one can. And do you think there's a resistance to that? And the reason I ask this is because it's kind of, uh, it reminds me a little bit of the way seatbelts used to be viewed. You know, I think that there was a time, a long time ago now, but there was a time when getting in someone's car, putting on a seatbelt, 
might be a cause of some offence because, you know, someone might look at you and say, why are you putting on a seatbelt? You know, I'm driving safely. Now we see seatbelts as a very normal part of getting in a car. It's a legal requirement in most countries, right? But, you know, with cybersecurity, I think we're still, at least from the people that I speak to about it, we're still in this stage where people don't feel like they're the kind of person that would be taken in by a cyber attack. And I would imagine, you know, the kind of people you're dealing with, executives, people who have been very successful in their industries by being the smartest in their group, by being someone who can negotiate the business environment, you know, they might not feel as if they're the kind of person that would be taken in. Do you find that that's uh, something that you have to really push through? Exactly. And that seatbelt is such a good analogy. Absolutely. You know, we call it this false sense of security. And that is definitely something that is there, that exists when it comes to cybersecurity as well. We always have this feeling of it will never happen to us. It's always in our periphery. It's always happening to the people, to the organizations around us, but never to us. But I think there are two aspects that kind of invalidate that. One, we see more and more targeted attacks out there. So especially if we're talking about an executive in a large corporation that's profitable, that can kind of get into the radar of these criminal groups, right? But we also have these attacks that are simply opportunistic, where the threat actors are simply focusing on one, let's say, vulnerability in a system or one kind of phishing attack and just put it out there and see who can they catch, right? Who do I get in my net? Who can I convince to click on this link so that I can very opportunistically see who I can extort, uh, especially if you think about ransomware cases. So you could just as well be targeted as an organization in this, or you could be just one of the victims to a random large-scale phishing attack. So given the prevalence, given the fact that, unfortunately, this is turning out to be a very profitable criminal market out there, there's a huge surge of individuals trying to make quick money out of this. So there's a growing threat actor, let's say, ecosystem out there. The chances of organizations kind of staying under the radar is diminishing by the day. So I think that's kind of that false sense of security is not a productive way of approaching this. Fantastic. Okay, so we've discussed the kinds of companies that are most at risk, why it's important for executives. You know, can you give me a couple of examples of where, you know, this has gone really quite badly, recent examples that are case studies for you as a professor of cybersecurity? I think, or rather, unfortunately, there are more bad stories than good ones in that sense. The first one that, that immediately comes to my mind and that I've recently used in a session is actually not a new case, but nonetheless a very good example. Let me start with that one. Uh, the story of Target, right? Target, the supermarket chain based in the US. They had a major incident in 2013, beginning of 2014. There's a good story because you're talking about a major corporation that is very much active in e-commerce, very much active in terms of digital in general, yet you do see a system that is composed of old, unpatched, not upgraded software components that works with several third-party vendors. Uh, and you do see 
a threat actor that is taking advantage of an unprotected vendor. So basically, and we, as far as I know, we still don't know who the threat actor is. There has been no attribution, I believe. But this threat actor first actually targeted and through phishing managed to breach into an air conditioning system maintenance partner of Target, Fazio Mechanical, a small business. One of the employees fell victim to a phishing attack, shared unknowingly his valid username and password. So threat actor first breached into the network of the small organization, found the connectivity to the target network through the billing system of this small vendor, jumped to the target's network. And apparently once they were in, it was all uh, free reign, so to say. There were no measures taken within the target network to kind of slow down or block the movement within their network. So the threat actor was basically able to just look around, find the database of individuals' uh, sensitive information and credit card details, kind of copy them back out to his own server, even install a malicious code into POS machines so that every new credit card swipe would also be reported for them, right? And all throughout, while this was happening, cybersecurity software vendors that had valid contracts with targets such as FireEye, Assignment Tech, these softwares were giving warnings. There were red flags raised, there were alerts triggered that target also ignored. So there was a software that was doing its job in alerting, let's say in this case, a group of executives who were not taking any action. So finally, these vendors actually went to, if I'm not wrong, Department of Justice, say, hey, there's something happening. We are observing unusual network activity over Target's network, but we've been warning the organization, yet no action has been taken. So can you please intervene? And only after that, Target actually took some action and within just a matter of days, were able to locate this malicious software, clean it out of their systems, patch all the unpatched systems and vulnerabilities and get rid of this. But by that time, 140 million pieces of data as well as credit card numbers were already leaked out. So this was almost 10 years ago. But still, it's one of the most financially impactful breaches in history for us. More recently, we started hearing more and more of this third-party breach, as well as ransomware breaches. In 2020, you may remember the story of Colonial Pipeline, which is the pipeline that carries oil in the uh, east coast of the United States, was the victim of a ransomware attack. And this attack was successful because the threat actors had a valid username and password into the network of colonial pipelines. Where did they find this password? It was already leaked on dark web. So they didn't even kind of need to lift their finger. They already found a leaked username and password that was leaked several years ago. So apparently this employee has been using the same password for a while now. So they were just very casually able to log in to their network and infect it with ransomware. So still an issue hinting at the basic cyber hygiene, the basic password hygiene that we are so tired of hearing about, right? 
Most of the ransomware incidents that has been wreaking havoc, right, since the pandemic, has been caused by either a phishing emails that individuals clicked and kind of shared their valid username and passwords, or by downloading infected files to their systems, which then essentially kind of copied itself and, and spread throughout the network. So most of this still comes down to this, this uh, human error that we already talked about a little bit. And so, Oki, the damage there that you mentioned in those case studies, it's not just that the cybersecurity breach happened, it's also the reputational damage that happened for the companies. How big a problem is that for companies? People are worried about reputational implications of being hacked, but actually not responding well is a worse reputational impact than being hacked. That's the only thing I would add. So actually, most executives are still in the wrong headspace where they think being hacked is the ultimate negative implication for from a reputational perspective. But today, everyone is getting breached. What matters, and that's where resilience comes in, how you deal with the aftermath of the attack, how you communicate this to your stakeholders, and how quickly you recover from it. Oiki. Thank you so much. I think I've got a much better handle. You know, when we first have these first conversations on Management Cast, I always want to just set the boundaries, the limits of what we're talking about. And I really think you've elucidated that very well. So I want to say thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you very much. This was a great conversation. Next week, we'll be talking about how you can bring cybersecurity best practice into your workplace, why it matters for executives to take an active role in this process. You've been listening to the Management Cast from IMD. For more to read, you can go to iBarIMD online, which offers exclusive business intelligence and interviews with the brightest minds in the industry, written by experts for experts.